Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ryan Peacock back again with you on this Tuesday edition. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Built Bar. Don't forget with promo code Locked On, you get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. We are opening up the mailbag today for the first time in a few weeks. I hope everybody did enjoy those crossovers we did with the NFC East and AFC East. Some opponents the 49ers will see in 2020. And Governor Gavin Newsom even saying that we might have some sporting events opening up in June, which makes me believe we're going to see all 16 of those regular season games, the preseason games, training camp at some points going to happen whether it's in Santa Clara or in another state, this NFL season is going to happen. It's, it's really seeming like we're inching toward that reality, which feels pretty good that the, the NFL, and, and luckily for us, that this thing hit during the offseason, and we might actually get back to some normalcy. Well, it's going to be not quite very normal if there's not any fans in the stands when this thing does get going, but at least there will be football in 2020, it looks like, which is a very good sign right now so fingers crossed hope everyone's still healthy out there and uh let's open up the mailbag let's get to some questions haven't hit any of these in a couple of weeks no need to waste any more time with this jibber jabber is that what is that what clubber lang says in rocky was it rocky three is rocky three the one with mr t says something about jibber jabber i don't know that sticks in my head for some reason always makes me laugh let's go to aaron Got a lot of old tweets and emails to get to, some new ones as well. Uh, thank you to everybody who always gets involved in these mailbag shows. And, uh, you know, for everyone for listening, everybody, thank you for being you. Let's go to Aaron. He says, hey, Brian and future GM Leo, I know you'll teach him how to have a shadow draft. Yeah, you know what? I might not teach him how to go down that path. Maybe, uh, maybe after his long playing career, he'll dabble with some front office work, right? After he buys dad that fantastic vacation home somewhere. Uh, Aaron says, would you say an overlooked aspect of John Lynch as the GM is his connections to everyone in the league, along with his friendliness, which makes people comfortable doing deals with him? I think many deals that the Niners make don't get done without him, especially Trent Williams from the Redskins makes you appreciate him and his value quite a bit. I do think that is absolutely one of the strong suits of John Lynch is his connections around the league and his ability to, and we've seen it with a couple of trades that he's pulled off, right? These two trades where he moves down one spot in the first round of the draft, gets some extra picks. That's not easy to do. And I think some teams would call a GM on their bluff. So first of all, he's got guts for sure. Guts not to draft an offensive tackle, knowing Joe Staley's going to retire on him and to try to press his luck with that Trent Williams deal. He traded the Minnesota Vikings extra picks that made it possible for the Vikings to actually make that Trent Williams deal happen. And if Trent Williams would have been willing to sign a long-term deal, Williams would be playing in Minnesota right now from everything I've been able to gather. But yeah, his connections with Ron Rivera are why Trent Williams was able to be traded to the 49ers. Now we thought that was something the Niners weren't going to be able to do with Washington is swing a deal like that. And it looks like a pretty good deal as long as it's not a one-and-done thing and the Niners, again, are chasing their tail with a future third-round pick for a player who's no longer on the team next year. And as long as he's still the player that 
he last was, which at his peak is, is higher than Joe Staley's peak even. But it's the connections he's had around the league and connections that he continues to make. Absolutely one of John Lynch's strongest suits. And Aaron, I'm glad you pointed that out because it's worth pointing out, worth talking about it. People don't really talk about it that much, but he's got a lot of friends around the league as a player, as a broadcaster. He's been in front offices talking to all of these people. So in a roundabout way, he has a lot of connections you wouldn't expect somebody to have who's got so little front office experience like John Lynch does. And he seems like a guy who doesn't burn bridges and does a really good job at building strong relationships, which is also good inside the building and great outside. I want to respond to an email from Brian really quick who said he he couldn't get at me via Twitter DMs with some mailbag questions, so he sent an email instead. He really wants to know about when the Brandon Ayuk podcast was coming. And yeah, I had to wait for those crossovers, the network-wide crossovers to happen the last couple of weeks, but... The Brandon Ayuk episode was yesterday, if you missed it. It was the Monday episode this week, May 17th, or May 18th, I'm sorry. May 18th episode, the Brandon Ayuk episode. If you missed it, go back and check out Monday's episode, breaking down everything from the 49ers' second first-round pick in 2020. And Brian, no, I have not blocked you. I thought my DMs were open, but you don't have to even DM me. You can just tag me, tweet at me, and I'll see it and... Uh, We'll get you on these mailbag episodes. Anybody out there, at BD Peacock is the Twitter handle if you want to find me there and just uh, tweet out a question, put my name in the tweet, and I'll see it. You don't have to DM. If you want to email, if that's your thing, and you don't get too long-winded, that's LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Tim says, I still believe in Solomon Thomas. Armstead didn't have any success until his fourth year, and the sack numbers didn't come up until... This last year, it's all going to depend on how much playing time he ends up getting. That's a tough one, man. Uh, Solomon Thomas has been just a rotational guy, and I think the, the team, well, you know, the team told us last year what they thought of Eric Armstead by not only drafting Nick Bosa, but also spending a second round pick just for the right to sign D Ford. So I don't think the 49ers expected that much from Eric Armstead as he gave them in 2020, but they, you know, there were some signs and we just haven't even seen those signs yet from Solomon Thomas. Like we saw the signs from Eric Armstead that, you know, the disruption became production at some point for Armstead. It's, and they did, they, they were willing to pick up Armstead's option and they declined Solomon Thomas's option. So, you know, there's there's writing on the wall for how the 49ers feel about Solomon Thomas. It's a more expensive option for Thomas and they have a much different cap situation now than they did when they had to make the decision on Armstead. But, I mean, Solomon Thomas just hasn't shown it and he's that classic tweener. He does not have the, the flexibility and the speed to win off the edge as a pass rusher. He's definitely an interior guy, but he weighs 270-something pounds. You can't put him full-time inside, so essentially he's a rotational guy, and he hasn't even shown that pass rush ability inside. And now that they drafted Kinlaw, and you're going to see Armstead inside a lot and DJ Jones inside a lot, I don't know if Solomon Thomas is going to get that opportunity this year to even shine. He would need some injuries. I just There's no path for him to play enough to really make the impact that we could see 
Thomas be the 2020 version of what Eric Armstead was last year. And there's talent there, and I like the the dude, and he plays hard, and he has some burst, and I could see how he could be a gap-penetrating, disruptive type of an interior defensive lineman, but just the way he's built and what he's shown us for the last few years, I don't have as much of a belief, Tim, as you do, that Solomon Thomas' breakout is coming in 2020. Okay, more mailbag coming up. A question about the shadow draft. And, you know, thanks for the reminder. I hadn't really talked about that yet on the podcast. So we'll get to some of that stuff and more of your questions next. What makes Built Bars so good? Why am I waiting on my second box now of Built Bars? Well, they're a tasty, healthy snack, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors. There's eight chocolate with nuts flavors, and eight nut-free flavors. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate, not this weird light brown-looking fake chocolate substance. This is legit chocolate, soft, chewy, easy to eat, and they taste really good, but they're also healthy. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for the health-conscious folks out there. Lose or maintaining weight, this is great. You can still indulge in a treat while getting that protein with low sugar. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter flavor. 20 grams of protein in that one. 170 calories, only 3 grams of sugar and 3 grams of net carbs. The mint brownie flavor is also very good. Those are two of the flavors that are coming on the box I built from BuiltBar.com. 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories in the mint flavor. Go to BuiltBar.com, build your own box, use promo code Locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Here's an email from Barnaby who says, I'm an avid listener. Did I miss your Shadow 49ers draft picks? I listened to all the episodes, but I might have missed it. I'd love to hear your Shadow draft choices. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Barnaby, for the question. No, I didn't do a. A shadow draft episode, I talked a little bit about, I think, some of the picks I would have made. I I did it on Twitter in real time there, but I didn't really talk about it much on the show. Uh, I can break it down for you now, though. I don't know if I'll do a full episode about it. Mostly it's for me, so I can remember who the players I liked were and and where I would have gone with picks. So the, the whole idea behind it, for those who don't know what the shadow draft is, basically when the 49ers are on the clock, I'm on the clock. I make my pick for what I would have done in that exact spot, one player, for that one pick at the time of the draft because I get tired of hindsight scouting. So I want to go back and say, hey, I would not have taken Solomon Thomas. In fact, I would have taken this exact player, and here's the evidence of me saying this at the time, not going back and saying, oh, they should have taken Patrick Mahomes. And everyone says, oh, they should have taken Patrick Mahomes. Nobody was in on Patrick Mahomes that high at the time in 2017. It just wasn't happening. And some people definitely liked Patrick Mahomes, but... For the Chiefs to trade up and get him at 10, shout out to Brett Veach, did a great job there, and got his guy, and that was a fantastic pick, but that was his ceiling. That was as high as he was going to go that year, as talented as Patrick Mahomes was. But for me, it was Jamal Adams. He was my shadow pick in 2017, and so at pick three, after Garrett Trubisky went, it was between Adams and Deshaun Watson. Those were the group of players that I thought the 49ers should have been selecting from at number three. Like to point out at, at players 
that went after Solomon Thomas that they would have rather had. And so I can go back and say, you know what? I would have taken this exact one player at the time on the clock in 2017. So that's why I do the shadow draft. And it's fun to remember the players looking back that I like. And I've been doing this since 2013. And I fully believe that scouting department of one over here would have literally selected better players since 2013 than the actual 49ers did. A lot of that is because the Trent Balky era went really south for a long time and it all stemmed post 2012 and I, th- I thought the 49ers 2012 draft was so awful it was one of those things where it's like look I follow this really closely I put in a lot of work and a lot of time I'm gonna start documenting this because I really believe I could do better than the dude who's making these picks and I was kind of right and I gotta say Shanahan and uh, John Lynch are doing a lot better job running the show and drafting players for the 49ers, even though I would have still been doing things differently, you know, and and that's not to say that I don't like the way things have turned out for the 49ers. And I liked their draft this year, but for me, when the Niners run the clock at 14, it was wide receiver there. I wasn't looking for defensive tackle. I'm not into the positional value of interior defensive line because best case scenario in four years. Now you've got to pay Javon Kinlaw, the $20 million that you didn't want to pay DeForest Buckner. So maybe you trade him again for another first rounder. I mean, that's the ideal scenario, I guess, to continually get a stud defensive lineman on a rookie deal and then trade for another first rounder and get another one and hit on all those picks each time. But I think defensive end is a sneaky need, short and especially long term. And I would rather put resources into edge than defensive tackle. And I think there were ways the 49ers could have replaced DeForest Buckner with multiple players rather than spending a first round pick on him. Uh, So my pick at 14 after that trade, and again, I have no control over trades, no control over free agency. I'm just picking when the Niners are on the clock. It came down to two guys. It was C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, and they were ranked back-to-back for me. And I had Jerry Judy one spot higher, so he was the guy. Pick 14, Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama. Just an absurd route runner, the way he can get open and separate all three levels of the field. He can get deep down the field. He can hit seams and make some plays After the catch, he is the best route runner maybe I've ever seen coming out of the draft. He's not, you know, a supreme height, weight, speed guy, but, you know, 6'1", ran 4'4s. Odell Beckham level feet, though. The way he can accelerate and decelerate and he gets open in the first two seconds of routes, I think he's going to have a fantastic career. Really liked CeeDee Lamb as well and would have had no problem if the 49ers went there. Did not agree with Shanahan that... Brandon Ayuk was in that tier of wide receivers, but he was in the next tier for me. I did like Brandon Ayuk. I just didn't have him on the level with Lamb and Judy. I did not like the trade-up for Ayuk. It's clear now the Packers were all in on love, so they weren't going to draft Ayuk. Uh, The Dolphins didn't draft a wide receiver until the seventh round. They were all about offensive line and defense in this draft, so I don't think they needed to make that move for Ayuk, and if Ayuk wasn't there... I don't think that's the end of the world either because I liked other players better. I was fine with Ayuk if they would have waited at 31. I had him as my 30th overall player. Uh, Yitor Gross Matos defensive end from Penn State would have been my selection there. Yeah, defensive end over defensive tackle because if D Ford moves on and he's continually hurt again this year, which it looks like that's a chronic knee issue, it's going to give him problems. The Niners are going to be up against it again next year. And it's going to be tough for them with a first round pick, a second round pick, no third. They're going to have a lot of free agents. They're going to have to spend on corner. They're going to have to spend money on or draft picks on corner, offensive tackle, and maybe defensive end again next year. So 
Uh, that's the way I would have attacked this thing. So those first, those two first round picks, Jerry Judy, wide receiver from Alabama, Detour Gross Matos, defensive end from Penn State. Again, would have rather taken him at 31, have the extra draft pick than at 25. He was selected by the Panthers early in round two. Uh, just the height, weight, speed, the length, the, just the prototype. Already had really good production, too, in a class where there's not a lot of good edge rushers. But, man, the the length, 6'5", 265, I think 35-inch arms, like crazy long arms. Ziggy Ansa was the guy that I was comparing him to because he's a little bit raw, but still had production. So if you add to the production he already had with his ability, thought he had a chance to go much higher, actually. He can play the run, he can get after the quarterback, and he's built exactly like a prototype defensive end edge guy, and he can chase down those fast, annoying quarterbacks, a couple of them in the NFC West, too, which I think is really important for the 49ers going forward. But again, I did like the prospects that the 49ers drafted in round one. Kinlaw and Ayuk, I do think they have a chance to be really good. Uh, and then round five, I was blown away that Bryce Hall, a cornerback from Virginia, fell that far. I know he had some injuries. He had a nasty ankle injury. But Bryce Hall would have been my selection. Cornerback from Virginia in the fifth round at 153. And a potential starting corner if maybe that ankle hampers him enough to where he doesn't have that athleticism to play outside anymore. And I think he's a perfect fit for that cover three scheme as a corner. His scouting report, to be honest with you, reads a lot like Richard Sherman's did, who, by the way, was a fifth round draft pick. Uh, I think he can play safety in the NFL as well and potentially be a starter there. So a safety net for Bryce Hall if that ankle injury hampers his athleticism. Pick 190, round six, Prince Tiga Winogo, offensive lineman from Auburn. Tackle slash guard, really high upside player, really athletic player. Again, injuries are what push down all of these picks, and it's really hard in this, and I think that's why a lot of these guys fell. Those rechecks, no medical rechecks. Uh, some teams are going to get steals late in the draft because they drafted players where they're going to come back from those injuries, and some play, some teams probably draft players that they wish they would have those picks back later, and they will realize that, man, we, this injury was worse than than we thought it was and if maybe we wouldn't have drafted this guy if we had those rechecks. So I think we're going to see a lot of steals and maybe a lot of busts because of the injury factor and the lack of information teams were able to gather this spring before the draft. And then in round seven, Hunter Bryant, again, another faller, undersized move style tight end out of Washington. Those were the shadow 49ers picks for me in 2020. That kind of leads into the next question here from Joe. He says, curious, would you have preferred the Niners take Judy or Lamb at 14 with Blacklock at 31, or do you think it will work out better with Kinlaw and Ayuk? And yeah, so I talked about that, and for me, it's not about the defensive tackle. Ross Blacklock, defensive tackle out of TCU, he went in round two to, uh, I think he went around pick 40. I don't remember who he went to, though. Late 30s or around 40, just after, I think, E2 or Gross Matos, but Ross Blacklock, it's not about defensive tackle for me, and I've got that question a lot. Wide receiver at 14, defensive tackle, or vice versa. I like Kinlaw Ayuk better than wide receiver at 14 and Blacklock at 31, but Blacklock wouldn't have been my pick there either, and I talked about why. You know, I, I didn't think defensive tackle was that significant of a need positional value-wise for the team. You know, if you want someone to stuff first down plays and be a plugger inside, 
go get Snacks Harrison on the free agent market, right? Plug it, plug it with a 350 pounder. You don't have to spend a first rounder to do that. And then you can filter in situational rushers from the inside. Solly Thomas, give him an opportunity there. Kerry Hyder, you know, the 49ers have a lot of guys they could filter through. They could have drafted another defensive tackle later in the draft, that extra fourth round pick if you don't move up. So there's other options to help you out in the interior, the defensive line. And you do have DJ Jones and Eric Armstead, and Armstead should probably be talked about as a defensive tackle as much as he is a defensive end when you're looking at how these guys will line up in sub packages. And I do like Armstead as a base end and you know a run stuffer there and an edge setter. But on passing downs, I want Eric Armstead inside, and teams are in sub packages at least 60% of the time these days. So that's why, to me, it's not about who the defensive tackle would have been at 31 or 25 for the 49ers in the draft. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would have gone Judy or Lamb at 14, but I would have gone another direction after wide receiver at 14, would have gone another direction at 31 than defensive tackle. Looking ahead here, we've got more questions. Wide receiver, man. People are pumped about this wide receiver battle in training camp and how that position is going to shape up. And there's so many unknowns with so many players, but a lot of talent too. So it could go really good. It could go somewhat poorly. Uh, that's a fun position group. We'll talk more about that and some more mailbag coming up. Justin says he was listening to Eric Davis's former 49ers greats podcast. Uh, they had Ayuk's wide receiver coach as a guest, and he raved about Brandon Ayuk's returnability. What do you think that means for Richie James? Man, uh, my boy Richie James is going to have an uphill battle, I think, to make the roster this year. And yeah, that's one of the big reasons why is because you draft this first-round wide receiver who not only will be ahead of Richie James on the depth chart, but if he takes his kick return job away or shows the ability to be as good or better of a kick returner, then you don't need to keep someone like Richie James around just for his special teams ability if James isn't going to be an impactful player at all on regular downs. But I think Richie James could be more impactful and, and provide some value if he was given the opportunity. Only six receptions last year. I hope he gets that shot in camp. I hope he proves what I think he can be. And I think he'd be really good in the slot. A lot will depend on you know how that shakes out, who's healthy there, because there's a lot of slot players right now on the 49ers roster. Just about all the wide receivers can play out of the slot. Um, but I do like Richie James still. And if he doesn't, catch on with the 49ers, I think he'll, he might get a job somewhere else and be really good for another team. So uh, I still think Richie James is a good player. It's going to be hard, though, because if Ayuk can be the kick returner and or the punt returner, too, and I don't know if Ayuk's going to be the, you know, the, the number two guy right away, maybe they'll want to get him worked in slowly on offense and then use him on special teams. You don't really need someone like Richie James if he's only going to be uh, a return specialist and you have Pettis who can return punts you have that covered most likely so you probably don't need to keep Richie James around if other guys can return and you're gonna have a roster crunch at wide receiver because there's so many so many bodies I'm looking okay let's project this out here so Debo's obviously the starter on one side and then eventually it'll be Ayuk on the other side maybe Kendrick Bourne to start so who's backing up Debo then probably Pettis. So you've got Debo Pettis at the Z 
Then you've got Bourne, Ayuk at the X or something like that. Then in the slot, you've got Taylor and Hurd. That's six right there. So the 49ers most likely will only pick or keep six wide receivers as they did last year. Maybe they'll keep seven, keep one fewer quarterback. That would be nice because I don't think you need three quarterbacks. It was a waste of a roster spot all last year. Uh, maybe keep one less tight end than they did last year or you know, find a way where they can keep one extra player uh, and if they did, do you keep Richie James? Do you keep Travis Benjamin, who they signed in free agency, who, by the way, could also return some kicks? Do you keep the seventh rounder, Juwan Jennings? Juwan Jennings, to me, would be the easiest one to get to the practice squad because, first of all, he was a seventh round draft pick, ran poorly at the combine, had some off-field stuff. There were rumors that multiple teams had taken him off their draft board completely, and there's a reason he fell late to the seventh round. So I think you probably could get him onto the practice squad. I think Jennings is more Jalen Hurd insurance. So they're a little redundant. You know, that big, tough slot type of wide receiver. You probably don't need Jennings to make the roster day one if Hurd is healthy and on the roster. So, yeah, that's probably the way I would project it right now is that Richie James and everybody else gets cut. Jennings goes to the practice squad and the six wide receivers who get kept. If everybody's healthy, which is a massive if... And if nobody gets traded, you've got, man, and you still have to cut somebody else. Benjamin, Pettis, Hurd, Taylor, Ayuk, Bourne, Debo. That's seven right there. Even if you do cut Richie James and you send Juwan Jennings to the practice squad and cut everybody else who's in camp. So it's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be the number one training camp competition that I'll be watching. Uh, I can't wait for that to unfold and it looks like we might actually get a training camp, which is pretty exciting. Let's get away from receiver, go to the coaching ranks. Here's a hypothetical question from Seth. He says, we are going to lose Sala to a head coaching position. Do you think it's possible we would bring in Dan Quinn of the Falcons if they stink it up this year and he gets fired, familiarity with Shanahan, and runs the same defensive scheme? Uh, yeah, Seth, I think that's... Uh, a very high possibility if you want the most continuity. Shanahan has leaned heavily, heavily on people he's worked with in the past. So if it's not Dan Quinn, you can bet it's going to be somebody that they have an experience with and they've worked with in the past. The fact that Dan Quinn has run that cover three scheme and they have the personnel for him to run his defense, uh, that would make a ton of sense. And Shanahan and Quinn went to a Super Bowl together too. So they've had success as a team, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dan Quinn is the guy for the 49ers to replace Robert Sala if Sala gets a head coaching gig and Dan Quinn does get fired, but all those dominoes would have to fall to make that happen. Uh, let's stay on this coaching conversation. Let's finish it up here with Gotham. He says, 49ers are primed for a deep playoff run again. Part of the reason is the same player coach core. Sala, Kasurik, Mike LaFleur, etc., might be poached after this year, do you think that impacts us? Oh, yeah, I think that absolutely will impact the 49ers, and it's something the Niners, if they continue to be good, are going to have to deal with. They're going to lose players. They're going to lose coaches. As long as they have that relationship at the top, GM, coach, and quarterback, you can withstand a lot of that stuff. They have to draft well. They have to you know, be cognizant of not giving away too many future draft picks and build through the draft and replenish that core with a lot of players. And, you know, next year, when we start talking about the draft, we're going to be talking about, hey, the Niners got to trade down again from round one from wherever they're drafting. Hopefully it's from 32. 
to get more picks because they're not going to have a third rounder already at least. And they need to replenish the talent that they're going to lose again next year. And they've got a bunch of free agents coming up. They're going to lose coaches. And and I think Robert Sala is definitely going to be one that goes. And the Niners will be lucky if it's only Sala that goes and he doesn't take anybody with him. If I'm Robert Sala, I'm probably trying to, and it depends on where he goes, if it's a GM that's hiring him or if he gets to, because if I'm Sala, I see how things have worked with the 49ers and how that relationship at the top with Lynch and Shanahan has worked. I would probably try to steal away Adam Peters, make him my GM and replicate that in my new in my new place, in my new city. And Mike LaFleur, who's the passing game coordinator under Shanahan, and Mike McDaniel, the run game coordinator, I could see either of them being hot candidates for teams that are looking for offensive coordinators. And I know in the past, teams have tried to poach, uh, I can't remember which Mike a team tried to hire, but it was more of a lateral move, so Shanahan was able to block it because it was an offensive coach that was going to do the hiring, and that offensive coach was still going to call plays. But if it's a defensive coach like Sala, he could take one of those guys because I don't think Shanahan can't block it if it's a promotion. And if it's a defensive coach hiring one of those guys, they would be the play caller and it would be a true promotion to offensive coordinator, not just in title, but they would actually be calling the plays. And then I don't think Shanahan would be able to to block it because it wouldn't be a lateral move. So yeah, you could see, um, you know, a 49ers East or a 49ers North or South or wherever Robert Sala gets a job. If he gets a head coaching gig, he could take Adam Peters with him, which I think would hurt the 49ers. He's a, a really important part of the front office. He could take Martin Mayhew maybe from the front front office instead. If he can't get Peters, uh, he could take McDaniel or Lafleur. I could absolutely see in that happen. And the 49ers have to have a factory of, young, talented assistants flowing through and young, talented players coming through as they lose people, which they inevitably will if they continue to win. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. Winky Wednesday, Nick Winkler, my guest. Thanks, everybody, for getting those questions in. Apologies if we did not get to yours, but we will hit some more tomorrow with Nick right here, Locked on 49ers.